what I wanted the white boys to say about me is Morgan is hardcore. We're betting on her. She's a fucking boss. She's fierce. She's a shark. She's going to get it done. That was the only narrative that would have gotten me to be able to let them give me millions. Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. Happy Wednesday, bitches. Happy motherfucking hump day. How you doing? How you feeling, baby? I feel good. I feel I feel tan, so I feel great. I put on darker makeup today. Okay, I was like, it's raining, bitch. When did you I put vacation? on darker makeup today just to feel like I was in Costa Rica. I was like, let me go a shade darker. Okay. I feel like the camera will be flattering. I'm going to blend my neck, you know? You're just going to well, blend you're, down. You're, Tips, ladies, use a beauty blender. Blend down. Don't forget the. Don't forget to blend down. I hate when I fucking see the, the line. Line, me too. The but line. you can get away. If you buy a beauty blender, and this is a plug, if you buy a beauty blender and you get it wet, you can wear any shade of makeup. I don't. Please don't tell the bitches that. You can. Please don't do that. You, Beauty Blender makes everyone beautiful. I really don't want to see any black women in very light makeup. And I don't want to see. Okay, I'm talking about more dark, uh, not more light. Okay, well, you look sun-kissed, my love. Thank Whatever you. Whatever you did, it's, it's doing so, see, it. See, I wore the brown shirt. Hopefully it was going to like reflect. make me look more brown. I, I think that was reflecting. But please, God, for the love of God, don't take Erica's advice and start wearing colors that don't belong to you. <laughs> Terrible makeup advice. Whatever. Bitches <laughs> just lying. <laughs> this is my color. Yep. <laughs> like Erica said, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm happy. We're in we're in Money March. I feel like we've had some really great guests, and I've been learning lots of things. I I have. I've learned a lot of things. We've been recording our audiobook, which has been really really fulfilling in some weird way. I know we wrote it, but like I just realized when we were recording the other day, like I haven't heard myself say it. Like I, you don't really realize that you don't hear yourself talk until you put headphones on. Because we don't wear headphones. And we, re- we refuse. We're too cute. <laughs> My hairstyles will not make it if I wear headphones. But I was like listening to the book and I was like, oh, this is what I said. I was like crying and shit. I'm like, wow, this is powerful. This is how I sound. Yeah. I'm really excited for people to hear it. It's that's a really good book, I, I have felt, to say. I felt very <laughs> activated um, after, like, we have a director and our Audible and an engineer, and, like, it's this kind, wonderful, middle-aged white woman who's a single mom named Jessica, and she was like, when I read your book, I really could relate to it. And I was like, you know what? If Jessica relates to our shit, it's a hit. <laughs> it's a hit. If the whites like it, it's a hit. <laughs> Not if the whites like it, it's a hit. It's more like it's it's relatable. Even even if we drop a couple it's mainstream. Niggas, if the whites if, like yeah, it, it's mainstream. mainstream. It is. You know, she wasn't she wasn't frightened from the you know the niggas here and little nigga there. You know, she was like, you know what, I get it. Yeah. And I was like, good. That's all that matters. Jessica, you get it. You're okay. Good. <laughs> Um, shout out to Jessica. And if you guys haven't pre-ordered our book, make sure you click the link in this episode description and pre-order our A Good Mom's Guide to Making Bad Choices. It officially comes out on Mother's Day. No, it comes out on May 2nd. Okay, the week of Mother's Day. No, the okay, Mother's Day is okay, May 17th. Okay, two weeks after, two weeks before Mother's Day. Okay, well, you guys. If you, just click the link in the episode description. You'll find all the information there. You can also listen to the book because we just recorded the Audible. and That's also on pre-order. Yes, so... That's it. Not as getting in an argument trying to promote it. Uh-uh, it is this day. <laughs> so get up. <laughs> anyway, buy the book. Um, anyway, um, to continue on with Money March, I'm really excited. We have a guest here um, that we've been, um, as we said before we hit record, we've been stalking her. No, not to scare you. We stalk <laughs> a lot of our guests. It's kind of our thing. 
It's the only way. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only way to make it. So I'm, I'm, there's no shame in my game. But yes, Morgan, we have been stalking you. We've been manifesting this for quite some time. We've been in. Oh, did we introduce it? No, we did. Sorry, sorry. You, go ahead. Got, You're on got, a roll. I got go too ahead. excited. Go for yeah, it. I'm excited. Today, you guys, <laughs> a very long time coming. We have manifested the one and only, the CEO, the serial entrepreneur, the author, Morgan Debaum, the CEO of Blavity Inc. Blavity Inc. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. We're very excited. I'm very inspired. Getting into all the things. So a little backstory, Morgan. Me and Mila actually saw you slash we're like trying to get your attention one time at Soho House. Oh my gosh, that was y'all. And I fell on you. I fell on your friend. Yes, that was. Um, you remember that? I do remember it because it was the middle of Afrotech world when we were in the metaverse and we were like watching Afrotech world. It was me, my chief of staff, Kate, and I think my boyfriend was there. Uh, Josh was there. I don't think he got there yet because you know I'd be stalking, so I would have known. But okay. you were with the other woman. Yes, and we're like, should we say like LA? You like you were in the thick of important shit. Yeah, like should we say something? LA's such a weird. We were actually working on our book. LA yeah. is such a weird place. It's like you want it, like you should network, but then it's like you don't want to be like you don't want to be extra, and then people are like get the fuck away from me, bitch. Don't worry. And you're like, hi, like, this is my chance. So I was like, but then I didn't do anything except trip over her full friend. Like she was sitting, and I like I was like, okay, well. <laughs> not going to do that. But I remember. <laughs> you should have said that in the email. Uh, well, that was us. <laughs> I, I, the next day, I was like, do you think I should, do you think we should DM her and tell her? That you fell on her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might still, it might be in the DMs, actually. Hey, girl, I fell on your friend today. Just wanted to say if you're, you want to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here now, so it worked out. We got you. Whew, thank God. Shout out to Nelly. <laughs> yeah, we're so happy to have you. We've seen, like, really watched you grow. And like watch the platforms grow and like it's it's fucking amazing. There's not a black a lot of young black women entrepreneurs, you know, leveling leveling up in the way that you have. Especially in tech. Yeah. I know how I mean, I don't know much about tech, but I just know that it's a predominantly a white male space. Yes. Like, to the maximum. There's nothing whiter. <laughs> Maybe banking, but like it's up there. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I heard that like you kind of got into this at a really young age, though, like even investing in stocks at like age 13 or something. Yep. I've been investing in the stock market since I was 13. Um, How, like, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why? I was do this. like, at 13, I was like trying to make out or something. <laughs> some weird shit, like trying to sneak. I was doing that too. <laughs> some shit that was going to make you absolutely no money. I mean, shout out to my parents. I mean, that was really it. I was super competitive. Like, I've been a competitive person my whole life. And so my parents just like gamified everything. So, everything from like grades to like, you know, if you read these books over the summer, then you get this. So, they just figured out, they like mastered me basically. And, um, my dad set up a uh, basically a game with the stock market where if I like my grandma gave me a hundred dollars every year, regardless of inflation or anything, it was just a hundred dollar check. And he said, "Okay, if you save half of it, you always have to save half of it. You can spend the other half on like bubble gum money, like whatever you want. But if you invest half, we will match it." And I was like, Say oh, less. I can do that math. Like I am old enough to be able to do that math, you know? So then I just started investing it because I was just like. Trying to get more. Yeah. Like, yeah. why not? And then. With, how were they like, were they te- like guiding you on where to invest in or like. No, they were teaching me how to make my own decisions. So like when we would go to Starbucks or Panera Bread or Best Buy, they would be like, do you know who owns this? Mm. Like, 
do you know about this company? Is this a company you would invest in? And so it was just a constant conversation, mostly with my father. And um, and then I started to just be like, oh my God, this is so interesting. And I started making recommendations to him like, dad, everybody's using this thing called Netflix. And he was like, no, because at the time DVDs were still a thing. He was like, hmm. No, like people are still going into Blockbuster. And I was like, no, I think that Netflix, like all my friends are using Netflix. And if I had bought Netflix at that time, your girl would be on a beach somewhere. Mm. Like I remember I actually bought it and then he, he was like, you should sell it and like buy something else. And I did. And I still hold it against him to this day. Mm. Cause I'm like, dad, my little mailbox money would be actually popping right now. Um, but, but yeah, it was just a constant back and forth until the point where I think I was around 16 that I had a job. I worked at Toys R Us. I worked at Delia's. Shout out to Delia's. Delia's. You know, the folding of all the t-shirts on that wall was miserable. (laughs) Um, And I was investing the money from my job where my parents were like, I like, we're not matching this anymore. (laughs) Like, you're good. Yeah, we're done. Um, But I think once you learn how the financial system works and compounding interest and like you see how powerful it is to start at any age, really yesterday is always the best age, how freeing it is, um, you know, really changed my life. You know, my first Blabity was started with my money that I saved and I bootstrapped the company for a year. So I had freedom to make my own decisions about what I wanted it to be. I didn't have to rely on investors. Mm. And was that a lot of that money was a lot of that money from your investments? Yeah. Like even then, early on from like Yeah. being 13. Yep. And wow. every time I got money, I would always like invest some of it and just think about it. Like I bought Facebook stock at $17. Wow. You know? So like it's and it's the stock has split since then and all these different things, so it's never too late mm-hmm. to get going. Were either of your parents in finance? Is that their background? Or are they just were like, you're going to do this? Just black and smart. You know, they went to Howard, like hey. just normal black folks from St. Louis, like nothing spectacular. I mean, they were, I have great parents, but like, no, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a stay at home mom. Oh my God. I need to gamify my kid. I hope this works. Like You can do it. You know what? I really think that my daughter is built for this. I, that is, that is <laughs> I her really person too. My daughter could be the next Morgan DeBaum. I'm really, I'm really feeling it. I, she's really competitive mm. and, um, and she really likes to win and she's yeah. really, she's really, she loves school. And I, so I've been trying to, I'm, I'm always encouraging her and in, in, in obviously in school and in ways, but gamifying, I love that. First of all, I love that word and that concept of mm-hmm. like, doing that because I mean even even me like I mean should I need to gamify myself right and it's fun to like look at stuff and be like you know what everyone is like wearing this right now or like no one is wearing that or like people love this CEO or like I never hear anyone talk about this CEO and then to actually read about these things um the other thing that I was doing at a young age is you can look at the investor report so every quarter every publicly traded company puts out their report and they actually talk about what their trends are what they're going to do where they're making their investments and you can see every single piece of revenue for all of their divisions so you can go look and see what BET is making you can go look and see you know what Warner Brothers and all these other companies are making how fun is that right and so that you can make smarter choices as so well you can make smarter so choices more, more informed yep it's so interesting wow how did Blavity come to be? Like, what, how, how did that idea grow? Like, what was like, you're like, I need to do this. This is important. Mm. A couple of things. You know, at the time I was living in San Francisco, I was working in, at a tech company, Intuit, which is they make TurboTax and like Mint.com, quick, 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 QuickBooks. Yeah. 
I see them in my email all the time. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Hopefully with invoices that are getting paid. Um, But like you think about Intuit, one, you don't know what Intuit is. Like you know the product. It's a house of brands, not a branded house. And then two, I was like learning so much about how these tech companies all based in Silicon Valley build products for billions and billions of people. And when you meet these guys – they're just like Joe down the street. Like they're not special. They're mm-hmm. not smarter than us. They're not more educated than us. Like they go to normal, regular ass schools. Like they don't all go to Stanford, MIT or anything like that. And this is supposed to be the most innovative place in the world, right? This is supposed to be the place that is building products to solve the problems of society. And they have, however, not our problems. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, Okay, I'm 23 at the time when I was thinking about this. I have no risk. Got no kids. I got no debt. Like, you know, I'm good. So if I'm ever going to take a risk and bet on myself, I should do it now. So that was one thing. And then so I knew I always wanted to start something. And then two, you know, Blavity specifically was a reaction to two things. One, I felt like this generation of black folks, we didn't have anything for ourselves yet. Like, the generation before us had Ebony and Essence and like, you know, Black Enterprise. They're all still here today after many ups and downs and changes of hands. But they're not like screaming our language, especially almost 10 years ago. Right. And then two, Mike Brown got killed. And I was living in San Francisco. I'm from St. Louis. And so I kind of was like, I need to be of service. I want my life to matter I'm 4'11". I'm not going to be like in the street protesting. That's not my ministry. (laughs) You know, like that's not where I'm bringing my best self and my best contribution in my brain to this global black economy. But I am one of very few people in in the black tech ecosystem and in Silicon Valley at the Mm -hmm. time that had the capacity, the risk tolerance and the safety net of like having, you know, no, like whatever, my live in my parents' basement if I mess up. Like right. that's not the end of the world, you know? And why not me? Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of like how I got my mind around starting on this journey. And did you start Blavity while you were in San Francisco? Like does that where Blavity was, I guess, founded? Was it out there? Yeah. In my apartment. Very cliche, but it's true. <laughs> while you're still working for the other company. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, being on uh, West Coast hours, I would wake up at 6 because it's 9 a.m. I would have like morning calls, you know, with people on the East Coast, go to work, come home, get back at it. And when you started Blavity, was like, what was like really like the mission? Was it to, um, I guess, create a platform for black stories to be told for... I mean, what, yeah, what was really like at the beginning? Because I'm sure it's grown since then. Mm. But what was it at, at its beginning? To be honest with you, the mission was to create a platform for Black people and to leverage media and content to build trust and audience so that we could go do other things. Mm. So I always knew there's probably some early interviews with me and like Julian Mitchell, you know, and talking about I don't want to be in media because media is like a super shitty business. I mean, you all know, like it's really, really hard. Um But it's the best way to bring people together around stories and around narratives and around talking about things that other people don't talk about. 
businesses that aren't going to get featured anywhere else. Like Blavity has been the first to break so many stories, to shine light on so many entrepreneurs and issues that like otherwise wouldn't have gotten coverage. And then because we're successful, we're able to like, then MSN picks it up or then HuffPo picks it up and then, you know, CNN picks it up and it becomes this whole ecosystem. But it's also, you know, now we're so big that we can actually make a difference, Mm -hmm. right? So like first you got to build the audience, get the power. And then it's like, okay, what are you going to do with it? Right. You know, and so we're in the what are we doing with it phase, which is so much more fun uh, than the early phase. That's a beautiful place to be. Bruh. I think people forget that. I think people like see successful people or, or see successful businesses, like especially like in the time of social media, right? And they're like, and I see it all the time. I'm yeah. like, especially like living in LA and shit. It's like, oh yeah, like I have a hundred thousand followers. And then I'm like, but what? <laughs> yeah, like, and then what? But like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. A rapper? Like, not like that particularly. Like, that's whatever, but not, no shade to the rappers. I'm, just, the rappers. I'm, talking, I'm talking about someone specific. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's a very specific about? person. You know. I'm talking about. First, you're talking about. My baby about. daddy? No. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> I don't know. He's a rapper. I'm like, I don't know who you're <laughs> he, he made of. it, not him. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about somebody from another platform that we did that was fucking a horrible platform. Now you're going to have the girls in the comments talking about who this is. They don't know who it is. Okay. If you're our people. We went on the, we went Oh. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, it's just, there's no end goal. And I, I think people fuck that up a lot. And Ego. They, yeah. And they Ego's think, the end goal. Well, well the, the angle is click is also clickbait. It's mm-hmm. just people just want to just. This be- is giving Atlanta. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that when I'm like in Atlanta, I'm like I can't do it, y'all, because it's just. What are we doing? Why are we spending <laughs> like like what Why? is behind? The stuff. Yeah. What is it? Well, there's, there's are you just keeping up appearances. There's hookah. There is nothing. There's the hookah. There's a DJ, <laughs> and there right. will be fried chicken or fried fish, and it will be good. And maybe a mimosa and, later. No, there will be a mimosa. Which I'm actually fine with the lifestyle <laughs> if the if there is substance behind it. And I think so much, unfortunately, in our community is just reinforced from just the clout chasing. That like sometimes those people like fail up, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, it actually worked for you. Mm. That's true, but then, but then, but then, and like it sits in, and you're up there, and then you're like, "What do I do I now? What do I, I do?" Well, it just never stops. Yeah, yeah. I don't aspire to that, and I don't think you all either. No, no. I feel like when you have a platform that is literally built on just clickbait and and zero substance, I feel like it's such a rat race to try mm-hmm. to constantly try to like find a story, make a story up, mm-hmm. bait someone to say some shit. Mm-hmm. Like it just becomes so disingenuine and also karmically I feel like you're fucked (laughs) I I feel like God is gonna be like you're gonna strike you down at some point (laughs) there are definitely times where I have to get off Instagram because I can see just you just see so much and you're like wait a minute stop like don't compare yourself to this this is not your path you know and I think that the internet has just done so much. I mean, we were just talking about this from like a mental health perspective where it's just such constant bombarding with messages. As someone who runs a media company, it's just fascinating because we do get access to so much truth. And I'm like, oh man, if people actually knew truth, it would be a different Instagram. Like it would be a different show. I feel like people know truth, but they just ignore it. They're like mm. have their blinders on. I think we know that we're fucked. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that we yeah. keep fucking shit up. I don't think there's no, like, it's like right here. Like the world's ending. Yeah. We're fucking up. It's like that movie. They're up. like, give me a plastic bottle. What's yeah. That, what's you know? like, don't, yeah. Look up. don't look up. Don't look up. No, yeah. it, it literally is. And it's just like, it's, it's not, 
I don't know. I'm like, I, you know, I believe that a lot of most of Americans are sheeple, but like, that's just people like you really, I guess it's a comfort thing. It's like ignore, 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 even if I know the truth, because I'm too scared to just like, address act, it. yeah, like act in a way that's matters. Yeah. Oh, I have a question because you do have a media company in ways. Do you feel like you have a responsibility in that way too, because of the, like of the content that you choose to share yeah. and like, you know, especially okay, like now you have this platform that is essentially um, moving the needle and getting stories that maybe would have never got coverage to be covered and to get attention. Yeah. But on the flip side, like people are also coming on your platform for entertainment and for, for news source and for clickbait Fun. even yeah. at times, you know? Yeah. Like how do you find a balance in between, in between those things? Um, the balance is really hard because we started off being like – I was very black militant. Like I'm, I was very for the people, by the people, black everything, black employees, black board. Like I was very, we're going to do it all, you know? <laughs> and then reality set in and it was like, actually, that's not very sustainable. Like you need a diverse workforce. You need a diverse board. You need, because you need, you need a moat around you because business goes up and down. That also meant same thing with content. So there's plenty of stories that are the right thing to do. But what you learn is that people actually, to your point, don't actually click the right thing to read. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see it. Like, so we have to make editorial decisions about environmental justice is something that black folks need to know about. Uh, injustice, I should say, you know, um, like food insecurities, water cleanliness. Like we implicitly know Flint, Michigan is still like struggling, but we don't really want to hear about it every day. Mm -hmm. But if we don't, as a black media company talk about it, no why would no the white one, folks talk right. about it? So it's literally our job to apply pressure, but we as black folks are also fucking exhausted. Mm. So it's, it's challenging. I mean, I've had editors quit, not because they don't love working at Blavity, but because it's exhausting to actually face the reality of all of the things that you have to cover and read like any black kid who's shot. You know, there's certain stories right now where there's this black kid that just got dismantled. He had called his mom, you know, and, a couple hours before I was like, I'm being chased. And the police officers are like, nope, he's fine. Like, no, no foul play, no foul play. And everyone's like, dude, you know, if we don't cover that story, is it going to get picked up nationally? No. But are we going to cover that story every day? You guys will never click. Mm. So it's this weird balance and <laughs> we don't always get it right. Um, it's not easy, but it is a constant discussion. It's a constant back and forth. You know, I've spent lots of money trying to get people to care about shit that I know they don't care about and also avoiding writing about the Kardashians, which would get a lot of clicks. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a, that's a heavy balance. I mean, that's a hard balance. And I understand that. Like even fucking scrolling through Instagram, even recently I was looking a lot of like not even comparing this because this is different, but like a lot of the black media outlets where we get gossip and like yeah. the fake news and all this shit that really doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And I'm like, and sometimes, and it's not even about like about black violence and those things. Sometimes I do scroll past cause I'm, I'm depressed and I am emotional. I'm a cancer and a bitch be crying midday. <laughs> you have empathy. No, <laughs> yeah. literally. I'm like, I can't like, it'll you don't want to consume it. I can't. Yeah. But on the flip hand, like I see, so, like ghetto network I mean ghetto like media outlets that I know are like owned by black people and it's like the stupidest fucking shit and then on the bottom it's like we don't condone violence I'm it's like, like oh come on right. I'm like, this, yeah. like, that, like just take that line off yeah. like, at this point like it's exploitative and it's it's like but they wouldn't write it if it didn't get clicks I know and I have the data you know, know, we have a huge publisher network where we work with a lot of entertainment brands and we know what does well and what doesn't do well. 
the data is real. The stuff is getting rid about it because people are clicking it. Mm, mm-hmm. So I have to keep hearing about Blueface and Fashenda. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel like we've all watched at least seven clips of them from front to back. I've done it too. I'm and not, I'm like, well, we were pregnant. I'm like, oh, why are you pregnant? Houseway? I was like, we were Poor I baby. Hope. I was like, I thought you were gonna like. But like, why do I care? <laughs> right. Why am I invested? We don't know these people. This is not my and home I girl. Don't need to ever know them. I don't want to know you. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm in the comments like, you know? girl, you are tripping. Yeah, I'm like, like, <laughs> like those comments that are like, please don't. But that's the point. And I think that you know, generally, media is hard too because you don't own. I don't own Instagram. I don't own TikTok. I don't own Facebook. Like, so you're also building conversations and audience, and you're not getting paid to keep these platforms alive and that doesn't pay my bills that doesn't pay our payroll having a bunch of likes on instagram so it's a weird industry overall which is why as a company we actually yes we care about the views and the clicks and the sessions on the site but we actually care about intent from the views so like is your intention when you're reading a travel noir article eventually to book a trip buy a flight get a hotel discover a new place. Like I'd rather have a smaller audience that is engaged and is actually like going through like AfroTech. Okay. Yes. You can read this cool article about Robert Smith or like whatever, but are you looking for a job? Right. And then that actually creates a better ecosystem for the, for the black economy at large. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I love Travel Noir. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's I'm my like, I'm going fave. there, saving this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's a huge misconception in, in general. And like in this last, like, I guess 10, 20 years. Um, how long has Instagram been around? I got Not even back. that long. I got mine late. I was in years, maybe? Yeah. Oof. I, yeah. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. We're getting older. That yeah. sounds crazy. <gasps> yeah, it's about 15 years because I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I think people have this crazy misconception of like, if you have a lot of followers, then that equates to success. Mm. And even with us, like, it's not like we're crazy, like fucking like popping. But people are like, oh, you're. I see you like getting Hollywood now. I'm like, bitch, we've been doing this, this work. Don't equal money. <laughs> I was like, first of all, but I see the like people put so much into that in their businesses mm-hmm. and like or you know not not really businesses or whatever you know i see all these bitches with a lot of fucking you have a whole lot of followers and everybody has an online boutique and fucking eyelashes <laughs> but people buy them in it so the girls are cash flowing some of those boutiques is popping they are cash no, flowing sure. i know those girls <laughs> no i'm serious they are making such good cash they I, are. I agree. And some are not. Maybe not the lashes. But the online I'm boutiques. Like, how, this can't be a good turnaround. I'm like, this is not. Not, you, not the lashes. I'm like, how many strip lashes can you buy? <laughs> how many? How many can you? How much are you profiting These are over singles. There? So. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm a hater because I'm like, I, I'm an ex-esthetician. I was doing the eyelash extensions. I was like, stop selling the <laughs> fucking lashes. Stop with the strips. It looks terrible. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I think it's an interesting, like. Being a woman and being an entrepreneur, especially for you, because you're in a like male dominated industry, especially yeah. being in tech, like what are some of the like obstacles that you've had, like and challenges you've had, like and ways you've had to show up mm. being a woman and not only that, a black woman in this space. And like, you know, I think there's like for women, there's this weird dance we have to do. Yeah. And it's like, I'm... I'm soft, but I'm de- I'm deliberate, but I'm not being a bitch, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a pushover, <laughs> but I, I'm not showing too much thigh. But is it enough thigh? Are you going to do it? 
Um, when I, it's certainly evolved, you know, I've had, I have way more freedom now because I'm kind of like, I mean, if you, if you can't see my receipts, that like, bitch. Yeah. Like, You're that bitch. Like, <laughs> like, I don't need you. So we're good. But, but I did need you. So we acted differently. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started the company, I was very Silicon Valley, blavity t-shirt, black pants, black boots, glasses, curly hair, just trying to blend in, which is like impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was very much like no frills. What I wanted the white boys to say about me is Morgan is hardcore. We're betting on her. Like she's a fucking boss. She's fierce. She's a shark. She's going to get it done. Like that was the only narrative that would have got gotten me to be able to let them give me millions. Right. Was that they thought that I could be hardcore enough to make it through. Because you did need to be hardcore. Like, it's not, it was not cute. <laughs> what does hardcore mean in tech? In tech? Mm-hmm. It means by any means necessary. Like, working 15-hour days, sleeping with your laptop. It means flying across the country on your own dollar. It means sleeping on couches, you know, because you don't want to waste money on hotels. Like, it means there's no job too little. Like I'm answering support emails as somebody else. I'm my own assistant. Like it's, there's no job that I would not do for this thing that I'm growing and this money that I took on from other people who give me millions of dollars that I don't have to pay back. Like, I mean, we do as a company, but it's like personally, I don't have to pay back. There's nothing that she wouldn't do. That's Mm -hmm. a shark. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to get it done. And I think that this person like, if I had shut up this way, they, it would not be, she's a shark. Okay. But I had to actually work really hard to unlearn all the trauma that I had to take on through the process to be, like, shift from founder survival mode to executive, CEO, chairperson, shareholder, right? All of these other identities that I hold now. These identities were cute, but they didn't matter because, like, you have to make it through to even get, get over here, yeah. right? So it was um, – I think it was a journey for me personally. I'm sure my employees feel the same <laughs> because they've seen that transition. Those who've been with me since, you know, my first employee still works for us. Wow. There's a lot of people we lost along the way. And if you only saw me in di- different periods of time, your experience with me would be very different. Mm. I mean, that's so – I mean, and, and I know that's – I don't know if you carry that with you because I do. I carry some guilt. I feel bad for people who I'm like, oh, you were actually fantastic, but like you didn't understand what we were up against. You thought you were just coming to work at like a HBCU. Mm. And I'm like, somebody has to pay these bills. Like you're a salesperson. You closed no revenue all year. You were supposed to close a million dollars. Like, what do you think? I have to make that money back up. Like I got to go close it now. Right. Like these are people's lives. I'm paying for somebody's kids braces. Like, like this is a responsibility. This is not just kicks and giggles and like free food. Right. Right. But that transition, man, it was not cute. How did you transition from all those roles? Like, like you said, like founder survival mode to exec. Like, I think that people underestimate, um, like the mindset that has to come with that shift and like, you know, like how has it, how, what tools have you used to like shift into this, this role, this woman that you Mm. are now? So many different things. I mean, I think therapy, of course, like, but my therapy, like I've never been, I probably have been depressed along the way because like everybody gets depressed and sad and kind of like, what the fuck is this? Keep going because you have to keep going. But like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I got to go to work. Um, 
I had coaches. Um, I have co-founders who I leaned on, like in times when I was like, I know I'm not doing this well. I need you to do this because I don't actually think that the business will receive it from me. They need to receive it from you as men. Like you need to carry this. Mm. Um, And that was challenging, I think, for certain people. But it was the like not between me and my co-founders. It was the right move. Um, I also had to do a lot of like self-work on my own femininity because it was very masculine energy for such a long period of time. Like I was very, I had a chip on my shoulder. So even in my personal life, I had a chip on my shoulder. Like I was basically a man. Like I was out here just manning, you know? What <laughs> happened to your femininity? Yeah. Well, that was hard. I moved. I mean, I think that was one thing, like actually leaving LA and readjusting my physical space was really important because when I lived here, I mean, I lived to work. Like I walked to the office. I lived in the office when our first office, the office and my bedroom were next door to each other. Like this was my life. So I had to detach from Blavity as a person to Blavity as a company that I own and and employed by Mm -hmm. and responsible for. But I am also a person and I'm allowed to have a life and I'm allowed to paint on the weekends or, you know, ride my bike, plant a tree, like, <laughs> fuck it, whatever, like, right. do whatever, tap out, tap out. Mm-hmm. like, and that's actually better in the long run for me. But it took, it just took a lot of time. You got to go down before you can get there. Yeah, I would imagine that that would be really challenging. I think even, you know, even with us, if you're building something and you're so excited about it. Yeah. Like, it becomes like, you can't, like, the moment you wake up, you're in it. Yeah. Like in the middle of the night. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's just phases and you just need to know when it's time to recalibrate. Exactly. It is not sustainable. No, it should never be forever. So like anyone who's in grind mode forever, I'm like, that's not necessary. There's, it's either you, it's actually, I mean, it's not anything else. It's you. Like it's not a requirement. Hard work for an extended period of time, years, of course. I always like love this like uh, this quote that I've heard and we we talk about it a lot is like and I, and I wonder if you relate to this now or like currently and and or if this is kind of a thing of the past is like your value being linked to your produ- productivity mm. because I think a lot of female entrepreneurs get into this mode of like work 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 yeah becoming so their identity being so wrapped up in in their whatever their business is and yeah. I know. For me, I've had to like really battle with that concept. Mm. Like, is my value totally linked to this? Mm. Um, I view productivity. I do believe that my value is tied to productivity, but I don't view productivity as the amount of hours I put in. Mm. So, like, I can sit with a business or an entrepreneur in something that will take them twenty five hours. I can do it in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm still productive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I do believe that like there are certainly times when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, what is the most important thing for me to do today? And if I just do that one thing, then I'm productive. It's not, my calendar is not packed, right? Like today I was like, nope, this is it. And I'm done. Like I did my mornings. I did my meetings. I was on calls on the way to this conversation, but I wanted to be fully present. I knew if I had stuff later, then I'm going to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. This is it. Me and I drinks with my girl, Carly. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I think that black women, we have to value not the amount of time we spend, but the impact of the work that we do. Mm. You know what I mean? And that to me is productivity. 
Mm. I like that. Not the time we spend, but the impact of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also like for, for black women, we're, you know, we're being educated at the highest rate. We're like opening businesses at the highest rate. And, but there's also this uh, stereotype of black women being masculine and mm. you know, we're having like this trend of soft, soft life. life. <laughs> Like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, so like, you're not working? What are we doing? <laughs> like, opposed to a hard life? Like, I don't want a hard life. <laughs> True. You know, but it's just like, it's also, it's difficult because when you're an entrepreneur and you are a businesswoman and you eat, breathe, sleep your shit because you know it's impactful and you believe in it and it matters. Yeah. You know, it's like this this fine line. And I, I believe like also you, you work hard and then you're like, okay, bitch. That's enough. Okay. But I think... Uh, do you think entrepreneurs can have a soft life? I do. You think so? I do. How do you all define it? We had this conversation not too long ago, and we got a lot of shit. <laughs> I was like, the girls have already tapped in <laughs> on this. Uh, our guest was like, ah, ah. Our, shout out to Trap mm-hmm. Yoga Bay. She was like, um, she feels like it means docile and like... Ah, oh, really? I don't want to... I don't know what she what, what her like definition was, and then it made me think like what the fuck is soft life? But I I think it's just like like you said like working hard but doing less. Yeah, you know like I real like realizing that I can be impactful without doing like a hundred million things and outsourcing and being like hey bitch you do this hey you do this hire yeah. the people yeah which is how society has run since like the beginning of time like Egyptians like. Yeah, I think it is a lot of uh, outsourcing is a great word because yeah. I think as women we feel, especially in entrepreneurship, we feel like we have a lot to prove, mm. and so we want to take on every role exactly instead of saying, "Hey, you do that." I don't know, pick that up. See, I had a. <laughs> I'll give you an example of a something a coach told me once. We were on a call, and I was talking about how I just felt so overwhelmed. There was so much going on, and I felt like I wasn't giving my employees enough time. I was, was trying to like step back and like not be a micromanager and da 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 da. And she said, "Well." If you had an opportunity during the day to, you know, read a, a business book, read some articles, and then also, you know, people were coming to you with fires and you needed to address them, which one do you think is more valuable use of your time? And I was like, if there's a problem, I need to solve it. And she said, no, you should be reading the book and reading the articles because you need to be in the future. And if you're never in the future, then your business never will get there. And the fires and the things, that's today. You could spend all day. That'll never stop mm. if you're sitting in the fires. And it's like that kind of perspective that helped me release the guilt, the shame of being like, hey, there's a problem. You two fix it and tell me what happened. Figure it out. Figure it out. And there's no shame in that. I think also when you build something and you've done every job, every as- aspect of it, you're like, fuck it. I'll make the graphic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, get the, just move. Just get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do ask myself, I'm like, why the fuck am I If I, I have to do this? it, why are you here? <laughs> right. <laughs> But but it, but but it's because you know you can do it, and then there's also that like who, no one can do it better than me. But like no, someone can do it better than you, and they will. But well, you just, haven't found the right person, right? And if they can do it eighty percent, this is the rule: if they can do it eighty percent as good as you. They should do it. You shouldn't do it if someone else can do it eighty percent. Because your time is worth more. Rule. That makes sense. I like that. Yep. I mean, because like no one's going to be just like you. No one's going to be a hundred percent. But if they can do eighty percent, you shouldn't do it. You should be reading a book and thinking about your future. Basically, honestly, I mean, I, I think strategy. I, I think with our business, we have had to st- release control. You yeah, know, I'm definitely a micromanager in okay. ways. I can be, mm-hmm. um, and so stepping back from the business because I realized that my micromanaging wasn't helping anything, and mm. also I, like. 
I was like, why am I paying people if I'm going to do it anyway? Mm. And I'm not happy. I'm, I'm, I love what I do, but it's becoming, um, it's making me feel, I guess, unhappy in ways because I felt like I didn't have time for myself. Right. And so relinquishing that control has been so life-changing for me Mm -hmm. and like having real work boundaries and saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm actually working out at 12 o'clock. I'm not available for that. Right. And then, and, and being like, Erica's working out at 12 o'clock. Like, yep. Sure. Sure am. It's on my calendar actually. <laughs> I'm actually not. No, no, I'm not going to record then. Sorry. Yeah. And it's like, and like staying true to that. And like, even like, even like having to, even like with Mila, like saying like, well, Mila has to do that. So she can't do that either. Cause like sometimes mm. we have to like, we have to help each other with our own boundaries. Yeah. That's critical. You, know? you have to go to soccer. It's fine. We don't need to. No, <laughs> you have to be a mom this Saturday. It's fine. Just, just, just do momming. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair, and I think it's important to have those accountability partners. And like, I do that in business as well, right? Like, I will tell my team, my chief and staff, like it says lunch on my calendar. My team doesn't schedule meetings during lunch. Am I eating lunch? Am I not eating lunch? It doesn't matter. Like, it says lunch. Don't you schedule over it? Mm-hmm. So just. Setting those boundaries and then communicating them in a way that people can actually interact with you is so, for me, has been like super helpful. Mm. Because there, there comes a time where you work really, really hard and you're putting out a lot of fires and you're like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's never like a, a, a sleep point. I think everybody, everybody works and they're like, I'm going to get to this point and I'm going to be a billionaire and I'm going <laughs> to set ends. up and I'm going to be gone. But it's like, it, 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 I mean, that can happen. That will happen. Do you all have an end? When is enough enough? <laughs> when I can charter... A yacht. Oh my gosh. Three times a year. Okay. For a month each. Ooh. Ooh. And like the south of Italy, the Caribbean, with all my friends. Yeah, that's my. Have you done the math yet? No. I encourage you to do the math. It's it's probably not as expensive as you think. Ah, okay. Well, shit. Maybe my maybe it's closer than I think. Maybe it's closer than you think. I thought that. I was like, we should look into the numbers because I don't think it's as far as I think it is. Yeah, yacht for a week is is twenty to thirty thousand for one week. Mm Mm-hmm. Twenty, forty, sixty, fully staffed food. And Staff massages. Full. <laughs> how many? How Staff many? How many people food. can it sleep? Up to six, eight. Okay, if you want like yeah. a catamaran, or if you want like a big body yacht, obviously you can be like ridiculous and get up to fifty or hundred k a week. But I feel like a catamaran overnight is like. Oh, I guess like we've got on a catamaran. That was a pretty big catamaran. I did it last year. For how long? We did a week. Okay. Yeah. Were you over it by Croatia? the Croatia? Yeah. Oh, you did <laughs> yacht week. Girl, yeah. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> for That's another like day. on a boat, right? Yeah. It was messy. There's a lot of receipts. You can read Travel Noir if you're curious how it went. But <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. But the retreat, uh, uh, we did Yacht Nick. Okay. That was the problem. Oh, like Freak Nick? <laughs> right. <laughs> so okay, like it was that. a lot. Oh, so this was like a retreat that you went when and you had people come like. This was someone else's retreat. Got it. Don't, don't you put that on me. <laughs> and um, it's too much. But basically, it was somebody else's retreat. They used the boats from Yacht Week. In Croatia mm. and other places. And anyways, we had a great time, but it was a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Our boat was fine, but everybody else had a rough time. Mm. Either way, I was on a yacht for a week with my best friends and um, it was very obtainable, I guess is my point. Like I too have been like, okay, what's my dream world? And I think it's so important for black women for us to actually say like, this is my dream scenario. It's work three days a week. It's, you know, be able to rent a house in Costa Rica and Puerto for two months. It's be on a yacht. Da, 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 da. And then just put the price on it. Like just actually bucket it out because especially if you can invest your cash, the 
interest on $10 million, the interest on $20 million, the interest on $50 million is probably enough to pay for your lifestyle. So you, you actually know what your number is. Mm, mm. I think that's really important because I, I honestly, I have dreams and aspirations, but I haven't written them all the way down and said, this is my, this is it. And when I get it's to this time. point, because I think if you don't, then you get there and you don't, you, you don't, don't even realize you it. got there. And that's what made me like start that exercise is because I have friends where I'm like, you are so fine. Like you are good, bro. Like you're Chill. fine. Why are you doing this to yourself? Like what? When is it enough? And the answer is, it will never be enough. Mm. You will never stop forever. If you don't have an end game. Yeah. Like, but do you think it's deeper than just the end game when it's like, when it's that? Like, there's like a lack, there's like a a lack of fulfillment inside besides whatever the end game is. Yes. It's a seeking. It's a seeking. It's a comparison too. It's a, well, I know this other person and I think I'm better than them or the same as them, but they're over here and I'm over here. It's a lacking in comparison, Mm -hmm. which is a never ending to your point. Like, that's never going to end. You're always going to be making less money than somebody else. Right. Forever. <laughs> like, there's always going to be a richer motherfucker. There's always going to be a richer motherfucker. And those people, it changes all the time, right? Like Elon Musk today, Jeff Bezos tomorrow. Right. Like it depends on the stock market that day. So they can't even count their money. Like they don't even know how much they're, they're losing billions and making billions every other week. Like, is that really what, does that matter? Right. No. Right. There's got to be a number. That I, that is so important. I just realized that. Like, why the fuck have I never looked up the price of a yacht for a week? Let's do it. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for for years. Yeah. <laughs> but but I was just I was just thinking like we had this conversation with someone else too about thinking that things are unobtainable, like mm. putting things outside of your scope. And even for me, like I'm not even gonna look up that number because we're not there. Yet. Mm-hmm. But like, bitch, you don't even know if you're there yet because you didn't even check in. You That's even right. Check with six of your friends. Like, yeah, that's right. Listen, you get your coins up. <laughs> and like, I imagine too when people go on Nobu and Cabo, I'm like, I know how much those cost per night. If everybody does that, y'all could have just been on a yacht for a week. Right, right, girl. Right. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's that's a that's just in general. I think when it comes to taking care of yourself and investing in yourself and investing in your your self care or whatever yeah, that looks like to you. I mean, I think about even like the retreats that we do, and you know, a lot of women look at the price tag, and and I think our our retreats are really um, reasonably priced yeah. for everything that you get, and and people it's like thirty five hundred. I think yeah, like that's the base. And yeah. then you have solo rooms, and yep. I think yep. it's up to like five. Totally reasonable, and it's all inclusive. And so I think you will spend. Three hundred dollars on one meal at fucking Nobu. At Facts. Nobu, Hungry. if you can get in, right, right, or or, like or, or whatever yeah. is whatever you'll you'll spend a, a rack on that fucking lace front, bitch. <laughs> literally, that is literally a- <laughs> not the install, not even the install. You just the win, the win. Twenty five hundred on the install. It's backwards. The hair, like girl, the hair, the Malaysian, whatever the fuck, right. And you're telling me that you it's an it's thirty five hundred dollars a month on rent. Right. Not a mortgage. And, and it's unattainable. Yeah. And and granted, listen, for people that are listening to this and getting triggered because they're like, You don't know my bank account. <sighs> I don't know your bank account, but you know and you know That's how right. much you spend on Ubers, you know how much you spend on coffee, mm-hmm. you know how much you spend on whatever the fuck you're doing over there. DoorDash. And mm-hmm. and you're not fulfilled. You look cute for a minute and you're like, Okay, well that was fun. Or that meal was good and now you're shitting it in the toilet. It's yep. gone now, girl. Like I'm just like it, it's just crazy the value, like the value like because we've even had people you know come come for us like you know this is a single mom demographic and this is like out like it's about a res- like luxury like it's a recession and like 
almost suggesting that like no like all single moms can't afford this and i was like this seems like a projection mm. and and like and it also sounds like you don't value your experiences and your self-care and your wellness because it seems so much mm. and not to say everybody's coins are the same because everybody's shit goes up and down and has you know i i'm fucking a single mom i get it but it is about like do you see value in and like in the wellness of yourself is it yes. like you know people will do all these things because they're like short quick uh nails hair quick food. uh yeah. like satisfactions or whatever quick whatever the hell you know what i'm trying to say but yeah. like these long-term you know even i've heard people be like no therapy that shit is expensive and it is but bitch how, how well how much do you want to be well <laughs> but also like you are your biggest asset and your biggest tool like your body is the thing that's fueling your ability to like exist <laughs> and work and your mind and your ability to expand your mind and like remove beliefs that are limiting and all these things is like your money maker. So I spend a shit ton of money on my personal development because that is what's making everybody money. It's what making everybody rich. Right. So it's a, to me when people aren't incapable of like getting there it's a different level of self to like fully understand the power that we have within ourselves, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that, especially for us black people, we are taught and we have been trained and we have been sold and we have been disassociated in our minds with our body and our worth. But like, if you can move past that, it's infinite. Right. You have you to know? invest yeah. in, the, in the mental health care to Literally. move past that trauma. It's a tool. Like I think I heard LeBron spends like over a million dollars a year on his body. Because it's his moneymaker, right? Like, we should be, maybe not a million dollars, but, like, a couple thousand. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. don't right. skimp on yourself. Yeah. Don't skimp on what is fueling you and floating you through this life and, mm -hmm. the, and your existence here. Because if you're falling short in, in different parts of your life and not showing up for people or not showing up for yourself, yep. a lot of it is because you're not taking you're not taking care of yourself. I know for me, like... The way I eat is so crucial for yeah. me, and I've and over the over the, the past few years, I've really had just had to like submit to that, and because yeah. I've been like in denial. And see, this is big in Silicon Valley. I think this is something I also learned from white folks was just like they really value their body, like the supplements. Like I've never seen more supplements in my life. <laughs> I didn't even know. You know what I get? I, when you know? I think of Silicon Valley, I just think of a lot of white men doing cocaine next to computers. They do that too, but then they get the IV. <laughs> they like it's balance. so intense. Like they're so in tune with their like performance as an individual. Like they, a lot of them do cocaine because it improves their performance. Right. They can they can work all night. And, which, and then, the, but then and increase morning. their sharp, their sharpness, and then they take the melatonin, and they take the this, and they take the that to be able to go to sleep. And it, like they are so in tune with the ups and downs of their ecosystem as a body, and how that impacts their ability to make money. Mm -hmm. That is fucking incredible. Like yeah. I didn't take that many supplements until COVID, and then I like unlocked a whole nother level. I was like, oh my god, what is this lion's mane? Like <laughs> start taking little mushroom types, and and then I learned. Black people have been doing this forever. Mm. And so have black people in certain parts of the world, but not in not America. In, yeah, not in St. Louis. <laughs> so that maybe in other parts of America. Maybe in the Valley. Maybe you know what I yeah. think of? I think, I think of like these different documentaries that I've seen. And even like someone sent me something recently. And mm. It's like a wellness room where people are like taking um, 
all, all types of drugs, but they're like they're like mo- they're like monitored while they're taking. Oh, drugs. like psychedelic, the psychedelic, yeah. like these son- psychedelic monitor- monitored experiences. Yeah, well, therapists. They're like no, but like they're in a room and they're like getting fed. What is that drug? Um, ayahuasca. It's not ayahuasca. It's uh, fuck. What is it? It's like a. It's like a pretty intense drug that you should never take. Ketamine, like ketamine. Ketamine. No, oh, well, ketamine is also now like a, like they're using that for therapy. Well, too. that's what I'm saying. Like they're in, they're like having ketamine IVs no. that are being monitored by, and it's like allowing them to like untap. Like this guy was saying, like I remember when I was in my mother's womb, oh, my and I realized. I some white people shit but like you're not supposed to say that i know because <laughs> because eventually black people are going to get on board too but <laughs> yeah <laughs> right maybe i don't know ketamine's I a mean, little maybe not ketamine but like they are so they're they're open to trying anything they can in order to be their best selves and in, to in a open way. other parts of your, your mind and, be- and i think i mean steve jobs did like drugs every day you know what i mean like it really has been a part of tech culture, Silicon Valley culture, innovation culture, creative culture forever. It's just interesting now that like we're all regulating it. Well, now it's like, oh yes, like I'm going to take this cocaine pill. I'm going to microdose cocaine. (laughs) Oh my God. That's going to be a thing. Like I I just, no, I don't do cocaine. I just microdose. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's Adderall. I don't even know if that's that's macro dose. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking macro. Oh my God. Um, this is uh, just about I know we went left. We are not. We don't <laughs> we support drug use here. Some, no, no, no. I support some drug use. <laughs> I support um, Lion's Mane, Ashwagandha. I support. That's not drugs though. Those no, are like those are natural yeah. pills. I mean, yeah. psychedelics, mushrooms, yeah, psilocybin, yeah, marijuana, <laughs> fine, cannabis, cannabis, all the natural things, things that are legal. Let's go that route. <laughs> are mushrooms legal? Yeah, some places. Uh, they're adaptogens. It depends yeah. on the dosage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. White people do be invested in themselves and we need to take a note out of their book because you're right. And that's the difference. And even like I also thought about what we were talking about earlier is like you could work so hard and then you're like, oh, shit. You look up and you're like, your kids are fucking eight. <laughs> and you're like, you were just three. What the fuck happened? And you're like, I did all this shit. And granted, I'm happy I did this shit. Yeah. But it's like, OK, like. If I die tomorrow, what the fuck is important? That's you know, right. like all these fires that I put out, like the cliff didn't go out today. You know, like nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah. But like my kid and like, you know, your family and like you realize, especially when you put your head down and you work and you're working and you work, you start when you as you get older, mm-hmm. your parents get older, you know, the people around shit happens. Yeah. Fucking pandemics and shit. People die like, m- m- like your mortality comes in and then you're like, you don't want something extreme to have to happen for you to have to shift. Mm. You should value your life and your success and your work in the present so that you're not like trying to catch up or like, you know, it's not like I, it's, there's a balance. There's like this, this harmonious balance that has to be found because if we work ourselves to death then we haven't spent time with the people we loved and we haven't laughed hard and we haven't done cartwheels and, you know, had dessert, had dessert, you know, and like cried and like yeah. experienced the success and, and at every stage, then what the fuck is it? You know, because you, like we'll never be at this stage again. Mm-mm. Right here where we're at, like right here. This it's very a beautiful moment. stage. Yeah. Every stage is beautiful, and I think that's another thing that like I've learned along the way. There's I I yearn for the moments when we were back in the office artist loft where I live next door, and people would just knock on my door, and I'm like, "What's it? Like, what are we doing today? You know, I loved those days. But in those days, I was thinking about 
today. today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. So yeah, like I I think it's so important for all of us to really value I call it my three-day window. Like if I can look back in the last three days, have I done at least some of the things that bring me joy? Have I talked to some of the people that bring me joy? Like if it's just all work, work, work for the future, nope. Now that's off. a good that's a good measure too. Let me just look at the like last three days. Like that's an easy I, I literally have an uh, a calendar reminder. This is so sad, but also maybe Not necessary. A, tip. Yeah. a calendar reminder on my phone for a joy appointment. Mm. <laughs> like what do you do in those joy appointments? Yeah. What like get your nails done? Like masturbate, get my nails done, know. you know, whatever. Have a call a friend I haven't talked to in a while that yep. I've been meaning to call and talk take to. Off. Yeah, take them off. Um, and sometimes like it's, it's creating those habits that then become just standard and you don't even, they don't have to be appointments anymore. Right. They're just, you just do it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately I had to create one because I was like, yo, I'm not like, I'm not like present. I'm not calling. I'm not doing anything for myself. Everything is about hitting this deadline, getting to this, getting to that, sending that email, checking this. And I was like, whoa. So I think that, you know, for those that are listening and those that are, you know, starting their own businesses and in the thick of it, like it's so important to take a step back and and take a moment to check in with yourself and and be present because you're right. These moments won't last. I think about me and Mila sitting in our living room. For those of you listening from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, like we started this podcast in my dining room. Wow. And and those days of like long nights recording at like 12 a.m. when our kids were asleep, editing until the wee morning because we were recording the day before the episode came out. <laughs> like those are the days. I miss those days. I mean, do I want to be doing that specifically? No. But like those days were so were so amazing and I and I think we did. I think I did relish and spend time in those moments, but there mm-hmm. were moments where I was like, "Please God, get me out of this." <laughs> I agree. Like, please. I I want to be here right now in Studio City in my fucking podcast studio. That's right. You know? <laughs> Not trying to get it off an hour episode off of 17 Apple phones <laughs> in 30 minute increments. <laughs> <laughs> the grind is real. I think people really underestimate the amount of consistency that's required for like this type of work. It ha- you have to be consistent. There's yeah. no other way around it. No one should have ever taught us the word sweat equity. Right. <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, my sweat equity is high. Girl. <laughs> I know any any person that gives us like offers us a deal, we're like, mm, you're just not taking into account, account the, the sweat, sweat equity, equity that Facts. got us here. But also, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> I also had to learn that too. I'm like, I'm. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't my value. They don't give a shit. They will walk away. <laughs> They're like, we put the numbers in this calculator and it says right here that you are worth <laughs> no sweat equity. Is in my right. calendar, bitch. And no matter how successful you get, that will never change. They really? will always. Yeah. I mean, literally as recently as a couple of months ago, like, let's say you're raising money and um, like I've raised around $12 million, a little more than that. I remember I owned all of my stock. So there's this thing when startup world where like you get stock and then you vest. So like you get your stock over a certain period of time because they don't want you to leave. So I had fully vested. I owned all my shares. I got money from a fund and they're like, great, we're going to take away X percent of your shares and they have to revest. But I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I already earned that sweat equity. That's those, those shares are mine. Right. What are you talking about? You can give me new shares. Right. And those can vest. But like I'm investing against myself. It's a pie, right? So like the more shares you give me, you're actually just shrinking the pie I already have. Like it's a weird dance. So I'm like, ain't this crazy? 
Like mm. y'all can literally say we're going to give you money, but then you're going to we're going to take the shares you already have that are yours that you've earned and make you wait four years to get them back. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. It never ends. And that's like par for the course. Like it's not a, oh my God, like a Morgan was mistreated thing. Like that is how venture works. But, you know, those are the hard things about being in business. There's so many things that are in power structures that we are not exposed to Mm. that like, you know, you could take that shit personally, which I did. And I had to call a couple of people and be like, um, is this normal? Like, (laughs) and they're like, yeah, you know, you have to sign it. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I have to? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's no like popping off. They're like, no, no, no. Like this is standard. I'm like, okay. But it just never ends. I think that like, you know, people that are listening that are, you know, maybe work in tech and Mm want to know more about um, how to, like how to raise money or like, what is, what are some like, first of all, what are some like know how to like things you shouldn't do <laughs> and then like maybe like three things that you should do or like some tips when it comes to raising capital have you all ever thought about it we've thought about it yeah we've thought about yeah this is for me <laughs> this question's from us because she was actually we we're having this conversation like before you came and she was like well i don't know if like our business is one like where we would need to like raise capital i was like what the fuck yes it well, is i think i think i was like i don't want to spend all my money all the time no like, but i think that there's this fear because mm-hmm. for me like i I'm not coming from like I don't I didn't I didn't come into like business entrepreneurship with tools. My parents weren't like, here, here's a business, here's your LLC, here's your credit score. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We've built your credit and here's a hundred thousand dollars. Figure it out. But like, so there's all these. So a lot of times, you know, where even people are just chatting, like, you know, do you need investors? And I'm like, well, we're covering our bills right now. Do we need to be taking money from somebody? Mm. Like, I'm wondering. Like, and I asked her that. I was like, do all businesses need to take investments? Because mm. I think for us. You know, maybe there have been opportunities. No one has ever came and tried to offer us twelve million dollars, but I'm always wondering, like, is it of our, is it in our best interest to have, like, because for us, I'm like, I'm going to owe you some money. Like, obviously not as personally, but the business. And there's yeah. this, like, I feel like if I can pay for our own shit and grow, I mean, I guess we can expand more with more money. But there's this, so you already, you already know. This is just like in like this underlying fear because I don't know I'm not fully versed in the world of investments or you know like all these things that yeah. immediately my mind goes to I'm gonna owe you some money. I feel like that's all black people. That's how that we that, right. That, that that's how, how people like that that is, my parents were like, money. um, are you sure? Right. Yeah. That's how. That's how we. That's how we feel. And I, and there's a part of me that feels that way, but I think because I've. Well, I have seen, my mom has grown her company. My mom is a founder and mm-hmm. she owns a, a beauty brand, Beauty mm-hmm. Blender. And so I've seen her, she's, it's a privately owned company. Mm-hmm. She's had investors try to come in and, you know, have these talks and things, but ultimately it, she hasn't had, she hasn't had any investors mm-hmm. in the 20 years of her mm-hmm. having her company. So I've seen her do it on her own. So I know yep. it's possible, but I know that there's even a, a time now where she's kind of like, Bitch, I'm tired. Facts. <laughs> I'm also like, am I going to be running this company forever? Erica, are you going to run this company? What's the succession like, plan? Like, what are you doing? Or you you look like you're busy over there. That's right. So, and you know, I'm looking at my, at our company and I'm like, yeah, okay, we have good, good media here. We have our p- podcast studio. Right. But I have like big dreams for this. I have like way bigger dreams. I have big studio dreams for this. Right. And I'm not, where am I? I'm not going to invest all my money in this shit. I mean, right. you all are literally the case study. You have the ambition. You have the network. I mean, you all are very well connected. So it's not like you're not sitting in Kansas where you don't know nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like you're in LA and uh, you have the sweat equity. So, you know, I think in terms of how people should evaluate venture funding, because there's also different types of funding, 
Right. So venture funding, the venture capital industry, when people say VCs is what venture capital stands for, is really about investing in high growth startups that can get a 10x plus return on the money that that investor is giving you. So if somebody gives you $10 million, they expect to get back, you know, 50 to 100 million back. Mm. that's how much I, I owe these people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <gasps> but I'm like, oh, no, we good. Like, right. we're good now. <laughs> you know, back in the day, like, oh, you know, maybe, a lot of money maybe, maybe not. <laughs> right? But it's um, that that's the equation you have to make. But also, when you look at production companies and you look at production studios, how much do you think Dear Media is worth? How much do you think they've raised? A lot. Well, they're white. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My point is to have the vision. I don't know because I went to their offices and I said, bitch, how you got this office? Google it's it. It's nice as hell. Google it. Google it. <laughs> In we a should prime look location. it up right now. It's in a building. We probably could figure it out. It's no, like- just literally Google it. It's just Google Dear Media Venture Funding. There will be articles on how much they've raised. The reason why I want you to look it up is because if there's someone in your world, in your industry that does what you do, but maybe at a bigger scale and you can look at that they've raised venture Crunch funding. Crunchbase? Would it be on Crunchbase? Yeah. Twelve point seven million. Perfect. And you know, in my mind, I was like, uh, I think we've had this conversation. One investor. We know we said we said <laughs> two rounds of funding. I two was rounds like, of funding. her husband's rich. They were rich. They came from money. That's literally what I told her. We literally it's had not always like, the case. Sometimes they are married to the to the boys, but they still had to, they still got to ask. They so, they, so in two thousand twenty two, they raised from all of Dear Media's information. It's on the internet. No, but okay. this is this four point seven million, mm-hmm. and then in twenty twenty, they raised eight million. Wait, and what, what was the first year? Magnet Companies was the investor. Okay. Eight million was in twenty twenty, and so then first round last year was four point seven million. So, first round would probably be their Series seed seed round, and then goes to Series A, or they did a four million dollar Series A. Sounds too low, so they probably just like raised oh, what we call a bridge round in between the next rounds because they might have been running out of money. Um, my point is that it's doable, right? And like, I think that because they're not in our world, like these people who are raising this money aren't a part of our ecosystem all the time. It's just hard to see and hard to believe, but the information is there. What do you, what, so, like, so say I'm Dear Media. Yeah. What do I need to have in place in order to even go to an investor? Like I need to have, obviously I'm sure a business plan, some sort of like plan yeah. of action to, yeah. to show like, this is how I'm going to make back your money. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> you would think, <laughs> but it's actually, um, it's a couple of things. One, it's a deck pitch deck, a PowerPoint presentation, a Google Slides presentation. Canva, Canva. I'm the Canva queen. Okay? I can make a deck. I don't know about no Canva. Maybe with the AI features. But <laughs> you can, oh, you can no. plug AI into Canva? Yes. Oh, oh my girl. God. We can talk about AI. Yeah, I can go down that rabbit hole. But um, okay, so you need a deck that says, this is who we are. This is the market. So this is the total market. This is the total podcasting market. This is how much is spent in advertising and nah, 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 right. You paint the big, big, the billion, big dollar billion dollar picture. Dollars. A billion dollars. Like black people listen to radio at this, and then yeah. radio is converting yeah, the to fastest podcasts. growing. Blah, blah 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 blah. Like I want digital and urban radio makes this amount. You know, every year, hundreds of millions of dollars, and we're going to take just like this slither of it. You know, so that's what you're. That's the picture you're painting, and then you're like, and then here's who we are. Mm. And this is our track record. And like, look how amazing we are. And like, da, 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 da. and then you say, and we're asking you to give us $5 million. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do with that is hire this and hire this and rent this and get a studio in Atlanta and a studio in New York so that all of our talent, and we're going to license different shows and we're going to do this whole thing. And then you go and you go talk to people. Mm. And then if you don't do those things, where do these then people what live? Then where what happens? They're down the street. What They're happens in Century City. What happens if you don't? <laughs> 
What happens if you don't get it done? Yeah. I mean, I mean, welcome to literally everyone, but like, (laughs) it's really hard to raise money for everyone, not just black folks. No, I just mean like, what if they give you the money and then it don't succeed? You don't oh. like your company. You don't, doesn't. You don't give them the hundred million dollars you owe them. Okay, so a couple of things happen, and this actually happens a lot, but people don't know what's happening. So they get a your company can get acquired. So let's say you guys like aren't doing well. You'd call me and be like, "Hey, so how would you feel about buying us?" Mm-hmm. And I would be like, "Sure." What are your numbers? What are your this? What are your that? Like, I'll buy you. So then the headline is, you guys were acquired. So a lot of times that's what's happening. When Not all the time. But sometimes, but though. Probably, when things are acquired, it's If like, you oh. can't figure out, like, this seems odd. It don't look like they're doing well. They probably aren't. Mm. Didn't you acquire a business? Shadow, I did. Shadow Act? Shadow and Act and Travel Noir. Okay. Oh, okay. Those are both acquisitions. Not to. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're not associating those two things. <laughs> with real businesses. No, 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 no. You're but, a powerhouse. But yes. Um, and I've been, I have looked at many, many deals every week, right? And um, that's what happens a lot of the times. Sometimes you get the LinkedIn post where you're like, hey, we ran out of money and we're done. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is you liquidate your assets, you'd sell this couch, you'd sell everything <laughs> you've got. No, literally. Seriously, it's it's traumatic. <laughs> like, it, there are like liquidation companies. We liquidated our office. It was the most traumatic thing um, like during covid and you give that money to your investors, you pay them back first. Mm. And then anything left, which there's nothing left, would go to you. But there's nothing left because it didn't work out. Got it. But VCs know this. Like that's already built into the risk profile for you. So it's not anything to – for me, it's like they know what they're dealing with. So you might as well aim for the stars. So that it's really not so – I mean it feels, I think, when you don't really know the language and the landscape, it feels something like totally unattainable to yeah. like – Find a venture capitalist to invest in your company. Right. When really it isn't that that wild of a – It is doable. Yeah. I have seen people way less successful than you. And probably half y'all listen to this. Get it done. Excuse <laughs> me. If there are any venture capitalists listening, <laughs> good, good media is available for investments. Mila's not going to make her our pitch deck on Canva. <laughs> My pitch decks on Canva are the bomb. (laughs) Morgan, wait till you see this shit. You know what I love is when I get resumes made on Canva and I'm just like, "Mm, yes, it's screaming financial director for me. When's your birthday? I'm an Aquarius. February Uh, 6th. February 6th? Mm -hmm. Happy belated. Thank you. So is my boyfriend. He's waving from the other day. (laughs) Deep connection to Aquariuses. We're a vibe. You guys are a vibe. Um, wait, so what are the other types? So there's VCs yes, good and, question. Then, and so you can take out a loan. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Oh Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. God. There's well, not from like cabbage. We or, didn't like, do good. We crazy. went we with, oh, you're going to do this you again? You can call them out. We, we already bitch ass. <laughs> wait, Andrew, Andrew, quiet. what the fuck? Je- no, Jefferson, Andrew Jefferson. Was it Andrew Jefferson? Jeffrey Anderson. <laughs> we went with bitch ass Jeffrey Anderson <laughs> from the motherfucking direct, direct funding. What Don't ever that? go to those motherfuckers. They lie and they cheat and they lie and they cheat <laughs> in doc, in type form. They did it in an email. I'm dead. Fuck them. <laughs> Why did you go with such a random? Because we were, we were rushing. We weren't. We, we, Was this during COVID? No, Girl, this is like this, a, is, this is in September. What did we need money for? Nothing. Working capital studio. Working capital. Yeah. So, I think that's the most common use of like needing money is because you need the money to build the thing so you can make the money. Mm-hmm. But it's short term. It's just like a one time cost, right? And um, 
couple of things. You can take out a loan from wealthy individuals, which is like what we call a convertible note. So it can convert into equity or you can pay them back with the interest rate. That's like the safest thing to do. Or they'll take equity in your business. Or they'll take equity in your business when you raise money. Okay. So it's like a mm, eventually <laughs> we'll get there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Call you in a couple months. Yeah. You so like, I did that. Like, rich. Maybe you don't remember. Yeah. I'm like, mm, this will You're probably work right. itself out. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna work out around this range, plus or minus. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like super safe because you can always pay them back if you want, or you can raise and then you never have to pay them back. They convert it to equity. Um, you can take a line of credit from. A bank, like a reputable bank, like Bank of yeah, America. Yeah, that that's what the we should have done. Yeah, don't do it from a bitch ass motherfucker who's probably sitting in a fucking apartment. She was. She was like, I feel like they're sitting in an apartment in Burbank. No, like, like in just like <laughs> typing dead. on computers. There's revenue based financing, which is like, let's say you guys close like five huge deals and they're all worth like 100k each. So you've got half a million dollars out in accounts receivable, you can take a loan out on that accounts receivable. It's revenue-based financing. I've heard about that. That's pretty good. Like there's so many options for short-term cash flow issues. And I think not enough people, they wait till they're in the cash flow issue to get the loan, which is the exact time not, not to. to and I've learned this the hard way. There was a time when we didn't make payroll or we were about to not make payroll. And I was like, damn, I really should get a loan right now. <laughs> No, nobody wants to give you a loan <laughs> when they're looking at your finances. You ain't got it. Like, that's not it, right? And then so they do. It's going to be a high-ass motherfucking interest rate. Nah, I can't do it, you know? So, you know, you got to figure it out. Um, but, yeah, when you got the money, that's when you go get more financing. It's like, we just got, just, I don't know, whatever. I think this is public information. I don't know. At some point, I'll put a press release out on it. But we just got a $10 million line of credit. And do I need it? But it's nice to have it there. Yes. But also a line of credit is better to have than taking just X amount of dollars from some fucker in a Burbank apartment. <laughs> That's right. Just for the it record. It just gives you peace of mind. In like if we need wondering. to pull against it, we can. Right. Do I pay an interest on it every month? Sure. But at least it's just for what you I can took. go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. <sighs> growing pains, growing pains that we've that we've all had but to But no learn. black folks have scaled a podcast empire. Like some people have done joint ventures with like iHeartMedia, like Charlemagne's a super successful black effect. I think Loudspeaker Network's not black owned, but like no, it's culture based. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think he's raised any money. But like there's an opportunity. Somebody will get this done. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, one thing I think has really kept us I, I don't even know, like I, two bitches and a wish, but like <laughs> two bitches and a wish. <laughs> Is that the name of our company? I'm dead. <laughs> Hello. It is weird two bitches and a wish. <laughs> Boston hose. Namaste. But Erica, cue up the PowerPoint. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think we've been like super clear and confident about our goal. Super, super confident, like in saying no and mm. like not being worried and being like, I know my value. Even if no one cares about my sweat equity, we do, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's kind of toxic because we will be like, we don't need them. Fuck them. You know, it's like us convincing each other. But um, I, I, you need that. You need that, like, that clarity. And I'm like, I'm not going to sell out. I'm not selling anyone my business for a portion of what I put into it. Because, and then, and also just being so clear, because people are going to tell you what, if you, what, whether or not they think you're valuable or mm. whether or not you're landing in a niche that's important or needs to be occupied. Or if you say white bitches or nigga too much, you're not going to get picked up or be popular. Mm. And then you're in Target. So <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, 
Well, switching gears real quick, yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you about um, love as an entrepreneur. Mm. You know, I, you know, I think that you know, especially in uh, in your industry, I'm sure you've had to like kind of protect yourself in maybe probably the early days of yeah. like, you know, what people can access. Um, about your life. Yeah. And I've seen that you've kind of kind of opened up a little bit and started to share, you know, different aspects of your relationship and mm-hmm. love. And how has that been for you? And, and really, what was the inspiration behind really showing, you know, that part of your life? Yeah. Well, simple answer. I'm done. This is it. <laughs> so I just kind of like, um, I felt like, so I'm 33. So started blabbing. I was 24. Um, don't want to date me when I'm 24 years old. Like, not cute. You know what I mean? Like, we're in the mud. <laughs> so, um, I actually had a boyfriend when I started the company, and then um, we were long distance broke up. And then I was just, you know, you meet so many people when you are fundraising and going to events, and it's a, it's a male, you know, it's me and all the guys, right? And that was really hard for me to, I'm like, are we friends? Are we colleagues? Are you trying to have sex with me? Right. Like, wh- like, going on (laughs) you know and I made moves I made mistakes I like I fell in love with different people like I went through all the ups and downs that any girl in her 20s goes through and I also knew along the way like these people probably aren't my forever people and you know building in public is not the easiest and I didn't want any inkling of my personal life to like impact my business or the perception of my success. Like there was a time when if you Google my name, people were Googling like Morgan Bond boyfriend, like Morgan Bond dad, as if there was like a man secretly like financing my life. I'm like, no, I'm just working really hard. (laughs) Not the dad and the boyfriend. Oh my God. There must be. There There has to be. There must be a man. Like, and it's like, there's no man. Like it's just me me. Mm -hmm. and my co-founders like who are men, but like, I'm still me, you know? So I think that I just had, I was so cautious not to step into any of those stereotypes because I worked so hard and I was just very much like, no, fuck y'all. Like, like I'm going to do this. Maybe even to my own detriment, like, because people could have maybe probably weren't trying to sleep with me, but like just <laughs> wanted to help. Um, and don't get me wrong, men have helped me so much along the way. Uh, my investors are men, et cetera. But I felt like my personal life, it just wasn't like there, you know, it wasn't to the point where it was like worthy of space and time and, and interaction. And, um, I needed to be fully happy and enjoy self. And I think COVID allowed me the physical space because I wasn't on the road, like traveling every week and the business was stable after we got through the initial chaos that we all went through with like George Floyd and the election and all this stuff. But once I made it through all of that, I really was in peace and I was just so happy. And that is also oftentimes when you find the right person, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was very committed to finding my partner in life. Like I very much was, I took, (laughs) my friends are like, you dated like it was a job. Like I, (laughs) I was serious, you know, and I had this one thing that I would tell guys that I'm dating, like one, I'm keeping my options open, open. Like I do not aspire to be a girlfriend. I aspire to be a wife and a mom. So, you know, I like, the girlfriend is not title is like not the thing for me. 
So if that's what you're looking for as a girlfriend, I, we probably aren't the right fit or we should just like stay open, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I think so, so many women are so afraid to yeah. lead with their ne- their wants and their desires. They feel like they're going to scare off that that person and I always tell people like if they're scared then they're not for they're not for you. Well, it makes you sound women think they'll sound needy, needy and desperate. Yeah, I think that men aspire to be married and to find their partner just as much as women do. Like my male friends who are the worst guys ever, they're <laughs> like, I want to be married. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Your like, actions aren't lining up, sir. This don't line up. But I do think they genuinely mean it. Like they genuinely, they're like, yeah, I want like a wife and I have kids, but I want my wife and my kids to be in the same woman. Like I want to do all the things. They can't get there anytime soon with their behavior, but like they want it just as much as we do. And um, the idea that they don't, I think, is is something we try to tell ourselves because it makes ourselves feel better. But I actually think they do. And um, it just needs to be the right circumstances. Right. You know, and the right person. And I had to get really comfortable with I may be single for the rest of my life. And I think once I accepted that, like, one, men are infinite there's billions of them. (laughs) Like my odds are in my favor, right? That part. But if it doesn't happen, I live a beautiful life. I have, I have more than work. I walk, I paint, I garden. I like, I have a rich, juicy life. Mm. So, you know, we don't work out, it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think that was, that was like the second thing was just like feeling comfortable in self and then I think that also just makes you so much more attractive. Like, just being a CEO and a boss, like, these guys don't give a shit. In fact, right. it's probably scary. It's so I would imagine, yeah, it's, it's anti. I would imagine it's the worst. that it would be, it, 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 some might, like, men would be intimidated by you, for sure. Absolutely. And they've definitely said that. Or, like, guys would be like, oh, I've had a crush on you forever, but I was just so intimidated. I'm like, okay. Well, that like, doesn't make my pussy wet. Yeah, like, like sounds okay. good for you. Like, <laughs> I'm good, bro. Like, you know. Um, and I'm sure there's men who are, like, kicking themselves now because they thought I was this hardcore, intense person. And then they see me now and they're like, oh, man. Look at her. Look at her being soft. She looks squishy. <laughs> like, <laughs> in her garden. You know what I mean? Like, damn. And I'm like, yeah, same me, but women are in phases. We have to feel safe. And I think, um, you know, I worked on myself first and then I was out in the world looking and receiving, you know, and actually being able to receive all the love and the energy that was coming my way. And the more you receive, the more it becomes easier to find and navigate to the person that's right for you. Is does, Do you require your partner to be and I don't know I have no idea what your partner does I know that he he supports he helps you out with your productions and stuff like that but I'm just wondering like Morgan before versus Morgan then was it important for your partner to be like equally yoked because I think a lot of times too because I only say this because I think like I think as women we our our inclination sometimes is to say no yeah um but then as time goes on it's not even us it's usually the men that become that become less over time become i guess somewhat insecure about you know the position that their woman is in versus them and it becomes like this issue yeah um i'm just curious like is that an, is that important to you is that something that um yeah, it's something that's important to you. No, I dated them all. I mean, I dated guys who worked normal nine to fives. I dated guys who were, you know, aspiring LA people. I dated, you know, your New York 40 year old plus ballers. Like, <laughs> I dated 
that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was a non-discriminatory <laughs> dater. Black. I mostly do. Yeah, I've only did black black men. But uh, other than that, I'm like, I'm like, you good? Like, you fine? Okay, we in. So I think um, now, like, what my original criteria, like, as I was just like thinking through, okay, what's the right fit for me, was people who could. I could live my full life with, and I didn't feel like I had to compartmentalize. And I think just how they made me feel was most important. So if I felt like, like, I've got to go to LA this week, I've got to New York this week, I've got to go over here, I've got to go here. Like, are they going to be like, oh my God, you're never home? Are they going to be like, okay, I'll meet you there. Right. (laughs) Right? Like, can they meet me there? Or they got to go take vacation days that they don't have. (laughs) Right? Like, if they can, if we can just live our full lives together, that's all that I want. So then their job does matter a little bit. They can't That's have. their choice. Like I, if they had a job, like one, I think people choose their jobs, like yeah. generally, right? So yeah, if you choose a nine to five that has a fixed amount of vacation days and you need approval for all these things and I'm like, yo, we just got invited to like the Oscars. Are you coming or are you not? Like I'm going. <clears throat> are you coming? <laughs> right? So- like that is their choice. And if they can't live with those choices and they're going to resent me for living my life that I've worked really hard for, then they're not the right man for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of men, men opted out. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of men like get into it and they opt out. They're like, I've got too much going on. Or like, I need, to, they see how impactful my work is. And they're like, I really got to work on my career. So they opt out. Okay. You should go do that. It's the wrong timing for us. Mm-hmm. You won't be at the Oscars. Right. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, for, for me, it's important. I want my partner to be able to enjoy the fruits of my, my labor. Fuck yeah. We say in beautiful hotels. What am I working so hard for to just be here by myself? Right. That's what I'm saying. So like naturally, I was attracted to men that had more control over their own calendars, you know, but that could be a number of careers. You could be an artist. You could be a, a business person. I mean, you could be, I don't know, fucking entrepreneur mowing lawns. Like, I don't care. You could have a landscaping company. But, but you can glee, you have the leisure to leave when you feel like leaving. You're not, you know, yes. like tied to anybody else's schedule for you. Right. That, I mean, you, you, said, you said a word like women. I don't know what you said, but it's true. Men, women do all the things when they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feeling safe is critical. <clears throat> Safety. Yeah. Safety. And, and like not having to feel like you have to compartmentalize or, you know, like shrink. Or, or look a certain way. Like, you know, my boyfriend loves me. When I'm like, I actually can't function and I'm in a bathtub right now, like eating Indian food and like, just let me be. Mm -hmm. He loves me that much as much as when I'm, you know, all glammed up wearing a beautiful gown. Like it doesn't matter to him, but I don't feel like I would have found that here in LA. Mm. You met him in Nashville. Okay. We met at a bar. Really? I love that. Old fashioned. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, the safety thing is is really, I mean, I think all women re- resonate with that word, period. Like, you will get the soft Morgan yeah. when I feel safe. You know, you will get the soft Erica when I feel safe. Yeah. You'll, I will fucking put toothpaste on your toothbrush before you wake up in the morning. Joyfully. Happily. I think men here feels <laughs> men here feel safe and they're like, I'm a protector. I will be domesticated for you if you <laughs> joyfully. You know, like I want to. I, I, like, I literally will stop my day and I will make him lunch and like bring it to him because I want to. Right. Not because I have to, right. not because I couldn't afford to get you Uber Eats. Like 
right. because you're hungry and I'm making myself lunch and here you go. Like, I think that um, gender roles are empowering when you just do whatever the fuck you want to do. And like, that's actually what being like full love is, is you can actually just be yourself so much so that I don't even know that I knew who like all of myself was because I couldn't let myself be a hundred percent anywhere with anyone. Like I just wasn't there yet. So he actually unlocked (laughs) other parts of me. I was like, huh, I didn't even know I had this shit in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know I could be so carefree. Uh, <laughs> like, I didn't know I could sleep so good. Like, yeah. you know, I used to be so terrified living in a house alone. Like, I would, I was just scared all the time. I would sleep in hotel rooms and double check all the things. Like, I was just constantly scared for my safety. Girl, I walk across the street. I don't even look across because I'm holding his hand. Right. Like, that's how safe I feel. Right. And that's beautiful. I love that. I do love that. How long have you guys been together? Um, Almost two years. Uh, you guys live together? Oh, yeah. We moved in like month three. Month three? <laughs> yeah. Oh, bomb. Get, get over here. Get in here. Listen. Well, yeah, I think it's when you know, you know. <laughs> they have this big ass house. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> you got a dog? That's fine. Just, just bring him too. You're the alarm system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do call her my little security system. Oh, my gosh. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. I think love can be really healing. And if, if you know, if we feel safe. <laughs> I never thought it would be true. I was not a fairy tale person. I, th- I think it's also when you stop like seeking it, you stop looking, you stop like, is it coming? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'm in it, perfect. But being in a place to receive it, yeah, mm, yeah, being that's that's crucial too. Is like, and I think a lot of that is the the work that you do before you find the love. Yeah, the work can be is completed. Not well, I don't know if it's ever fully completed, but. You can do a lot of healing in the relationship. Yes. You know, I don't think you have to be this healed up person to then finally enter into a relationship. No. Um, but there is a level of like healing and an acknowledgement and, and safety within yourself. Right. That has to happen before. You it's know. just more clear. Yeah. You know, like we were able to move really quickly, like so much so that everybody was like, um. Are you sure? Like Morgan has lost her fucking mind. <laughs> like this is, and she's posting this man. Like what is going on? Like people were shocked. And I'm like, no, like this is my twin flame. Like this is, it's done. Like mm-hmm. when it's so clear because I've already, I'd already accepted the life without him, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, no, I want you in it. Like, yeah, like this could, is icing. Yeah, like, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you, but this is but I this want is dessert you. every day. Yeah, but, like selfishly. Yes, yes, I love that. <sighs> well, on that note, do you have an affirmation that you can share with our <sighs> tribe yes. here? I feel like it's been changing since we've been talking because <laughs> I started off with one, but I don't think it's that anymore. Um, my affirmation for the ladies is, you know, I am full. I'm living a rich, juicy life, and I'm in control of my future. I am full. I'm I'm living living a rich, juicy life, and I am in control of my future. Yes. Motherfucking right. Yes, yes. Emphasis on the juicy life. Juicy Juicy. life. And I'm in control. Yes. Do we have – we had Morgan pull a card at the top of the show. It's tarot time. It's tarot time. Shout out to Mahogany Tarot Deck, our beautiful black card deck. Kashira. Um, you pulled the Four of Cups. Okay. The Four of Cups, cups are usually having to do with emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, this one means meditation, contemplation, apathy, and reevaluation. It says here when the Four of Cups turns up in a tarot reading, new invitations and opportunities are flowing to you, but for now, you're saying no and turning them away. Perhaps the prospects do not interest you, or your cup is full, or you already have too much on your plate. 
Use your discernment to decide on what is truly important to you and don't be afraid to decline new projects that don't align with your future path. This is definitely happening. Mm. I feel very guilty. (laughs) The Four of Cups can also indicate a time when you are turning your attention and your energy internally Mm. to realign to this new phase of your life. You know that you need to be standing on on terra firma before you can decide your next steps. While you, may, while you may need to decline some very alluring opportunities, you do so knowing you'll be in a better position to say yes to the opportunities that are better fit for you. You are creating the space within yourself so that you are ready to accept new opportunities later and give them the best possibility of success. Use this time for inward reflection, grounding, and contemplation before accepting the next big thing. It's like, don't put out the little fires. Think about the future. Mm. It's pretty accurate. Mm. Wow. I feel like I say no to stuff like... I said no to going to the White House and this, that. And my partner was like, are you sure? Like, this is such like a cool thing. I'm like, I just, it's, I can't, I can't say yes to everything, yeah. you know? And then I said, then they came back with something else. I was like, oh, I'm saying yes to that one. <laughs> but if I said yes to the other stuff, you would have that one. So yeah, no, it's tough balance. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Trusting your intuition and knowing your worth and knowing your value is, is key. And just knowing that when one door closes, another door opens. And even if you close that door, you know. Another door still opens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Possibilities are endless. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on our show. This was such such a lovely chat. So fun. I'm so happy that we finally got to meet you. And even though we did sort of fall on you a few months back. (laughs) Tell your friend I said sorry. I will. I will. That's so funny. (laughs) Tell her we were nervous. We were coming over to say something and then I tripped. So it was over. (laughs) But I remembered it. Now I'm here. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been like, you're very much an inspiration and I'm proud of you. You're doing an amazing fucking job. Thank you. And it's amazing to watch. Thank you. I can't wait to be your angel investor. Okay. Well, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> when it's time. There's a lot of sweat equity. <laughs> I'm going to be like, that's sweat equity. don't she matter. Like, Fuck your sweat equity. That's the past. We'll the future. I told you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you tell our people where they can find you? Yes. You can find me on Instagram, which is very boring. So go on TikTok where I actually can show you my whole life. Oh, are you TikToking over there? Oh, my TikTok was way more fun. Okay, really? Because Instagram, Instagram, like, clients follow me on Instagram and employees follow me on Instagram. And I feel like on TikTok... You were so, you're hiding? Well, I'm like, <laughs> you can find me. But it's more of, like, you chose to follow me on TikTok. Yeah. Like, if I get weird... That's this, is you, your fault. this is your fault. <laughs> like, Instagram is basically Facebook now. You know, like, you can only post so much. And I just feel like I'm, a, I'm the people's Instagram. And TikTok is now more fun for me, personal. What's your TikTok? Is it Morgan's mom? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's just my name. And we'll leave all of Morgan's info in the episode description. Make sure you click our episode description to check out our book, which is on pre-sale. Check out our retreat. Just like cancel that lace front appointment, girl, and just come on and book the Good Vibe Retreat. We're going to Mexico in July. We have two dates, all inclusive, amazing women. Find Come find your tribe. This is where you come find your tribe. This is where you detach from the bullshit come relax mm-hmm. decompress you know switch up switch up your timeline do some new shit Make switch up your environment relearn yourself and remember who the fuck you are
Make new friends. Make yes. new friends. It's hard to make a friend. As an adult. Make new it is. Adult. It is. It is hard. And it is hard, but when you're there, it's so fucking easy. It is. It's so easy. And, you know, the women that come on our retreats, they're, like, literally hanging out. I'm sure, like, right this very moment. I, I look on our Discord every day. And they're like, <laughs> look who I'm with. And I'm like, oh, Aww. my God. It warms my heart to see them, like, continue the friendships past this experience. That's so beautiful. if you are looking for your new bestie, I, I guarantee you, you will find her here. Or just bring your bestie with you. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.